Welcome to CCAST, a Clemson University podcast sharing everything about graduate education, inclusive excellence, research, and graduate life in the College of Engineering, Computing, and Applied Sciences. Welcome, I'm your host today, Andrea Vera, a PhD graduate student in the bioengineering department. And today I have with me Timmy Samick, also a PhD student in that department. And we'll be discussing what an everyday life looks like for a grad student or some extracurriculars you might be interested in. Hey Timmy, how are you? And how about tell us a little bit about yourself? Hey, hey, how are you today, Andrea? Doing well, thanks. Good, cool. Um, so yeah, I am a fourth year, starting my fourth year um, as a PhD student in BioE. Uh, I work with Dr. Alexander Bryant, and we started together, so um, we're both, you know, fourth years here. She's a fourth year uh, faculty, I'm a fourth year student. Um, our lab is technically called the Nanobiotechnology Lab, so we do um, cancer research on drug delivery, um, developing new delivery systems, things like that. So. Um, yeah, I'm happy to be here, happy to be on uh, the podcast, and uh, looking forward to seeing where it goes. Awesome. So you basically started, everything was new, including your lab. Yes. Yeah, it was, <laughs> it was quite the experience. So, I mean, when I got here, we literally had a open, nothing inside rectangle on the fifth floor where we are now. I mean, we... We started in a shared lab space with shared equipment. I mean, even shared consumables. So I remember learning cell culture for the first time on the fourth floor. And there was another PhD student who's obviously still here. And we learned together in another, she's in another lab. So we had a joint learning session in a completely shared space. And then, you know, we just built the lab as we went, which was an awesome experience. Really, really tough. Mm -hmm. but just a great experience and you know wouldn't trade that for sure. I think a lot of people don't realize that like when you do start a lab especially like as a PI it literally comes from nothing like you said it's just a room yeah. and you pick the equipment yeah. you need for your lab and your research and like you get a yeah. certain amount of funding and hope hopefully it'll build up to something great. <laughs> right right I mean it, like you said I mean all the physical stuff you have the lab and the equipment and everything inside but you got to do something in that lab. So yeah. also, you know, everything that obviously everything you do as a grad student has to have some novelty to it. But you want to talk about novelty. I mean, you are starting from you're sitting there with your PI. OK, square one. What do we want this lab to be like? So yes. and obviously they have an idea from what their work was. But, you know, it's just <laughs> it's something else. So I just recently switched into the PhD program, but I'm sure that as a first year or second year, you weren't nearly as knowledgeable as you are now. Um, did you ever have a doubt going in if you could do it or what to do to finish it since you're already in your fourth year? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's, you know, the whole thing, the whole imposter syndrome stuff, and it is absolutely real. So I'm just going to come right out there and say that. Um, yeah, the whole, like the first year I kind of found and a few of us found, the first year is for nothing to go right. And that is absolutely how it's supposed to be. Um, and you're supposed to doubt like, oh my gosh, am I supposed to be here? Should I be doing this? I see all these people around me who are like having success in their lab and this, that, and the other thing, but that's just part of it. Um, that's why, you know, 
going and getting your PhD is more than just a research or academic experience. You know, I take my, my family, for example, they always ask, well, you know, what do you do during the day or how's it going? And you can explain it to them and they can understand it, but just you, you can't, unless you go through it and like get through those first two years of hardship and just failure over and over and over and over again, then you'll understand it. That first year and a half, you know, two years just builds the mental resiliency that you need to succeed later on. Um, and, you know, it's hard to see that. You can definitely, like, understand it and appreciate it during the time. But not until, you know, you hit that third year and fourth year that you appreciate it. And you're like, okay, I see what was going on there. That was just all part of the path. And, yes, you do have your doubts. You doubt yourself. You doubt your research. You doubt everything you did as an undergrad. And everything everyone told you, yeah, go to grad school. You're going to do great. Yep. That happens. <laughs> but it's okay. It's just, it's part of it. It's the whole process. I swear it's built in there on purpose. Yeah. And when you make your way out, you're like, all right, I got this. Now I can help other people who are going through the same thing. Smooth sailing. I mean, I think that's really well said because I think people, what they don't realize is how different undergrad and graduate school is. Um, I started uh, last year and it's the, you really, you really can pave your way. Um, what you get done is what's going to get, that's how far you'll be and like what you're interested in is so important for you to be interested in your project because that's what you're building yeah. and that's what you're working on but you're right success doesn't come without failure sadly so you have to try and again and again failure a lot a lot as a as a grad student and as a yeah. phd student especially. yes and i don't think that ever goes away. and that's something completely different from undergrad where you're just going through courses and you're trying to make those really high grades to prepare for graduate school but in graduate school you know, you see someone, even when I met people who are PhD students who are older, um, they even tell me, they're like, yeah, we look all put together and everything because, you know, we've been here longer, but um, that doesn't oh, necessarily... we're a mess. We're a mess. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't necessarily mean we don't still fail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's just different now. It's, we get uh, publication reviews back pretty much saying, this is absolute trash. Do it all over again. So, <laughs> and you're like, great. Yeah, okay. So what, besides going into lab and, you know, doing research, what's something you like to do in your free time? Oh, here we go. Um, so I have. <laughs> if you have any. For, yeah. Oh, yeah. Me, a couple. <laughs> um, I've raised triathlon for 10 years. Um, that's kind of, that's my major go-to. Um, I actually started the triathlon club at Slippery Rock University where I was an undergrad. Um, but you know, it's just, it's just what I love to do. Um, you know, I always say when people ask for bios and stuff, I always put in there, if you're, if I'm not in the lab, I'm either in the pool, in the lake, on my bike or running. Those are pretty much your choices. So, um, but yeah, it's, that's what I love to do. Um, you know, I, I have a coach who is like kind of remote. He's back in Pennsylvania. So, um, he makes sure that, I'm staying on task and stuff like that, but I love it. I've traveled. I've traveled across the country. I've traveled internationally to race. Um, I was a member of the Clemson triathlon team. Um, I've just, I'm starting to race for just myself again, um, just simply because, you know, my, my academic schedule is starting to get a little crunched for myself. So I just need to focus on that. Um, but yeah, yeah, it, 
do a lot of a lot of triathlon stuff. Um, and other than that, I have been very heavily involved with you know academic organizations, you know things with the college, university, other leadership organizations, things like that. And that's just part of who I am. Um, I started kind of building that part of my repertoire back like before high school. Um, and then it really came out as an undergrad. Um, there was just, if, if I had an opportunity to do something at Slippery Rock, I was doing it. And our physics department was so small, you know, we had very limited people to turn to, to do things. So I was always the first one. I'm like, yeah, you need something. I'll be there. Like, I'll do this. I'll do that. You know, for orientation for students or to recruit students to the department. Um, you know, we had this thing called first seminar for freshmen where you're kind of a TA helping transition to, to college. And I was a TA for that. Um, I just love doing that kind of stuff. And I, it got me to where I am, so I'm not going to change it. Um, so I continue to do those things. You know, I'm a, a part of a few leadership organizations. You know, I, I try to help the bio -E department as much as I possibly can when I can. You know, I try to have help Seekus and, and Tanya whenever Tanya reaches out and she needs something. If I'm available, I absolutely do that. So, um, you know, this is a perfect example. And even like STEM All In, all those things where we have students come visit. I just love doing that kind of stuff. You know, it it spices up your experience. It it gives you those things on your resume and your CV that can put you over the top when you're compared to someone else who has the like exact same right. academic, you know, qualifications that you do. So, I don't know. I'm, I like to stay fairly busy. I'm I'm learning the limit for myself though, um, because I have spread myself too thin before. But I don't know. I just I'm not the kind of person. I, I don't do well when I limit myself to one activity or like one thing so my research and academics I if I just did that I wouldn't be myself and I don't think honestly I don't think I'd be as successful as I have been that's understandable I think once you have you know that extra or something a hobby or extracurricular that you add to your academic research not only does it help you with like you know time management and stuff afterwards but also just having something to take your mind off of it, it does help to come back and then reread that article you were reading and didn't understand before and now might actually understand. Right, yeah. right. Yeah, I mean, when you, and you're dug so deep in a hole sometimes with research, and like you said, you could be reading the same three papers over and over and over again, banging your head against the wall, like, why did they do this? Like, I'm not getting these results. I see the pictures, I see what they're saying, and all it takes, honestly, all it takes is an hour bike ride, you know, clear mm -hmm. my, clear my head, clear myself out and then come back. Oh, Hey, makes sense. All of a sudden. Yep. Figure. <laughs> You're like, great. Should have so, taken that yeah. bike ride earlier. <laughs> well, all that stuff definitely helps. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the whole goal about grad school too. I think some people um, kind of, it gets understated the importance of being involved as a grad student. Um, you know, again, grad school is very different from undergrad. When you come out of grad school, yes, you're going to be an expert in a specific field, but you need to have some essence of well-roundedness to you to be attractive for a career somewhere. Um, I think like my advisor, Dr. Alexander Bryant is a perfect example 
uh, when she got her faculty position, I remember talking to her about being involved in all the positions that she was involved in and presidential roles that she held. You know, that, I, that is 100% one of the reasons why she was hired as a faculty in the bioengineering department. And she continues to be the same way. You know, she um, leads the diversity inclusion committee and was on the um, graduate admissions committee and all this other stuff and through CIs. And that's just how she is. And because of that, that's why she was successful. And so there's so many examples and that's just kind of how I see it and how I kind of go about my graduate career. So would you agree that you should have some sense of, I guess, something in common with your PI when you're picking one? I know that's a big question with yes. a lot of students on how important is it to have a PI that's like you or to work in an environment? Is it just the research that matters, you know, et cetera? No. No, absolutely not. So um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this or not, but I'm going to plug my uh, new YouTube channel, actually. Um, I'm doing a couple videos on app graduate application process, interviews, and matching with the PI, because I know this is a huge issue and concern for people. Absolutely, 100%. You need to match with a PI that matches with you outside of the lab. That, okay, that's important. Yes, you don't want to pick someone who's kind of just nonchalant. They don't care about the work. Not that they don't care, but you don't feel like you're going to be pushed in the lab and you don't feel like you're going to be productive enough. You know, you want to make sure that you have that. But at the same time, you need to have the ability to develop a good relationship with them because you know you found a good PI when they're also your mentor. Okay, there's a clear distinction there. You can have an advisor, you can have an academic and research advisor that isn't necessarily your mentor. I think that's a situation you should stay away from. You wanna find an academic advisor that is also a mentor that you can stay in touch with after you graduate, you know, that you talk with about your career, uh, things you're going through that you can be close with, that they can give their advice because they've been there and they've done. That's the kind of PI relationship you wanna find. Um, someone that can relate to your experience, you know, and it doesn't have to be super specific either, you know, with Dr. AB, she was just highly involved in a lot of things. And that's kind of why we just clicked on our interview so long ago, because I was so involved with things. And then we got to talking about sports and athletics and she was telling me about her sister and everything else. And we have both have siblings and it just, once that ball starts rolling, it's a good thing because it'll continue to go on and you just develop a great relationship. And over the past four years, I, I developed a fantastic relationship with Dr. AB and I would not change it for the world. Yeah, you definitely want someone who, you know, besides meeting up with them ever so often to talk about research, but being able to, you know, ask a question about what should I put on my resume or what, or even to go out with the lab and do like socials, do I need to get together? Those people that you work with in lab is honestly the people you see every day nonstop. It's your family. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I think back to just starting. Like it was, it was me. Yeah. Right. I was the only PhD student. We had we had two master's students, Emily and Erica. Um, but with setting everything up and in charge of ordering, getting the equipment and stuff, that kind of fell on me. So if something wasn't right, I had nowhere to go. If I hadn't, you know, had already the foundations of a good relationship with Dr. AB and just felt, you know, felt comfortable. You know, you obviously have a lot of respect for your PI and 
that's just, it's, it comes with the territory, but you shouldn't be afraid of them. You know, you shouldn't be afraid to approach them with questions or concerns, or even if you feel like it's a dumb question, there's no such thing as a dumb question. Everyone hears that. Nobody believes it. Trust me, you will ask what you think is a dumb question a million and one times as a grad student. But you should be able to approach your PI with anything. And if even, you can't, like, let's could be say you reply. failed something or an experiment, you yeah. did something incorrectly. That's something that a lot of people are thinking, should I even bring this up or just redo it? But that's something you should bring up. Because um, yeah. that's a Absolutely. setback they should know about. Absolutely. Be comfortable. And guess what? Even if you failed an experiment or you did something wrong, I guarantee you, your PI has done something similar when they were a grad student. <laughs> like, we all do it. Like I said, that's part of it. You know, everyone messes up. Everyone has those those mistakes. Granted, some are a little bit more expensive than others, and I'm not saying they might not get upset, but it's just, you know, it is what it is. So you can't be afraid of them. You got to be able to approach them. You know, you have to connect on some sort of, on some level, outside of the research interest. It's just an absolute like necessity. So fair. Well, I guess to close it up, I just was going to ask why Clemson in general? What have you noticed that you liked about here or when you were touring different grad programs, what stood out to you? So kind of taking it back to my Slippery Rock days again, it was a very small department. It was a family. And you hear a lot about Clemson family, which, you know, you feel throughout the university, through the community, even, I mean, you can go to Columbia, God forbid you go out there, but, you know, there's Clemson family everywhere. BioE, I feel, took that to a whole other level. There's Clemson family, we have BioE family, and I felt that immediately as soon as I got there for my first interview, my first visits, and I absolutely loved it. Um, you know, I was lucky I actually reached out to Maria Torres, our former grad student coordinator, when I was a, gosh, I was like a sophomore at Slippery Rock, and I had already expressed interest in the program, and I thought about transferring at first, um, but obviously I didn't, and I just stayed in contact with Maria, and it worked out that the Collegiate Triathlon National Championships were being held in Clemson in 2015 and 2016. So naturally I came down and raced in 2015. It was my first visit to Clemson, loved the area, like just everything around. There's, I love being outside, obviously, you know, I'm swimming, biking, running all the time. It's perfect for that. I got to come in and meet Maria and meet Dr. LaBerge and everybody the first year. Um, so I kind of got myself on the radar and I was just ecstatic. Next year comes 2016, I'm, all, it's, I'm getting closer to graduation. So obviously things are getting more serious. And then I set up my interview, met with Dr. AB. It just, everything just clicked perfectly. Um, obviously the athletics are a huge plus, you know, love yeah. going to football games. I've, I've been an ACC fan my whole life. My dad played football at the University of Virginia. So, you know, I've always rooted for Clemson. I was never a huge fan until maybe, maybe like my junior or senior year of high school. Um, but yeah, been an ACC fan, so it was kind of an easy transition. Um, but yeah, like the family environment, just the whole, it's a small town with a big campus. Um, coming from where I came from, this is big. To a lot of people, this might be small. It just, it feels right for me. It fits well. You know, I just checked off all of the 
good vibes boxes that that I needed. It's funny because everyone who says, you know, I always hear like everyone always says the Clemson family and like that's a thing, but that just has to be something they tell the students they have to say. And I was like, it really isn't. Oh but no, it, it runs deep. It runs real deep and it runs for generations. I mean, I know I've I've been in airports and I've seen, you know, older people and I've had like something Clemson on and someone will come up to me. It's like 70, 80 years old. I remember this guy exactly. He came up to me, two words he said, go Tigers. That's it. That's all you got to say. What do you say back? Go Tigers. It runs deep. I mean, it is Clemson family. It is. Very much is. Well, thank you so much for taking the time um, and speaking on this episode of this podcast. Um, I can't wait to hear from you more. We'll definitely have him back to do um, different interviews and on different topics. But for now, thank you. Perfect. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. CCAST is a production of Clemson University's College of Engineering, Computing, and Applied Sciences Office of Inclusive Excellence in Graduate Studies. For more information and conversations with our graduate students, subscribe to CCAST wherever you find your podcast. And remember to visit us at clemson.edu slash CCAST for more information or to apply.